Luke chapter 16. We're going to begin reading this morning in verse 19. I want to just address a topic this morning that is one of the heavy topics of Scripture. It's not a, it's not a delight to think about. It's not a delight to preach other than the fact that it is the Word of God. Sadly, in our day, the topic of hell has become, uh, for some, more of a joke. It's been, we, we visualize it through popular culture, what we've seen. We visualize it through uh, television, through cartoons, through movies. We've sort of pictured the devil in a certain way. We've pictured hell in a certain way that is not according to Scripture. On the other end of things, there have been times past, hell has been emphasized so much and almost turned into uh, sort of a, a horror evangelism in the sense of where we're going to tell all these horrific stories. We're going to use these illustrations. We're going to use Christian um, urban legends to try to illustrate hell and talk about hell. When it comes to a truth like this, there are many passages of Scripture that we could look at. But what really matters is not what I think. It's not what the world thinks. It's what the Word of God says. Someone came to Vance Habner, the great Baptist evangelist, some years ago, and she said, I, you know, I really, um, I, I'm tired of you preaching. I don't like the sermons that you preach about hell. She said, I wish you would just preach about the meek and lowly Jesus. And he said, my dear sister, that's exactly where I get all my information about hell. So this morning, I, I want to preach to you on what did Jesus say about hell? I want to just simply look at the scriptures at what Jesus said. There's many other verses. I'm not saying those are lesser verses. Those are equally inspired and of equal importance. But my point today, my purpose today, is to draw our hearts and minds to a biblical truth that Jesus preached and taught, and to see it as He presents it, as He says it, not in either extreme, not viewing it as something to be mocked or laughed at, not viewing it as something to be some, uh, some B-level horror movie, but to see it as a biblical truth that should point us to Christ, if we've never trusted Christ as our Savior. And for those of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior, for us to have an increased burden for those who have not. In Luke chapter 16, I'm going to begin reading in verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now, you'll notice that he immediately introduces us to the rich man and he details that he has great wealth, he dresses well, and he lives well, and he eats well. But then he introduces us to Lazarus the beggar, and he is a beggar, and he's laid at his gate. He has no home. He doesn't live in a fine mansion, and he is not in good health. He is full of sores, and he desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. And the dogs came, moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. We have a distinct contrast at what the world would look at, and the world would identify, even in some religious cultures, that this man is blessed by God. This rich man has great wealth. He has a beautiful home. He wears nice clothing. Clearly, God's blessing is on him. And here's Lazarus. He's sick and he's feeble and he's, he, can't even chew the, he can't even drive the dogs away when they come to lick his sores. And he's dressed in rags and he's hungry. He does not have this world's goods. And we would look at that often and we would think, wow, that's, that's clearly, if we didn't know the context, we would possibly think that. And what Jesus is doing is pointing to there's a clear, important distinction between what is on the outside in our physical life and what is spiritual. 
What should it profit, Jesus would say, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world yet lose his soul? This rich man has gained the whole world, yet has lost his soul. And here's Lazarus, who has nothing, and yet has his soul, and his soul belongs to Christ. It came to pass, now notice how he reverses the roles. He started with the rich man, but now he says it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. You see how he reverses what seemed so important and what seemed so great just moments before when death comes. Death is the great equalizer of us all. There's a great old proverb from years ago, not a biblical proverb, but it says that life is like chess. At the end of the game, the king and the pawn all go in the same box. And that's exactly, it is appointed unto men once to die. And they both die. But after death, things are dramatically changed. The angels come for Lazarus, and they take him to a place of paradise. They take him to a place of rest. They take him to a place of beauty. But the rich man opens his eyes, and he is in a lake of fire. He is in the fire of torment. He goes on to say, he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in your lifetime you received good, thy good things, and likewise evil, Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And the man said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Abraham said to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus is pointing not just to the possibility of Lazarus coming back from the dead, but he is pointing to his own resurrection. That there are those who would see and experience the resurrected Christ and yet would not believe, though one had risen from the dead. As we look at this account, it's important for us to remember that this is consistent with Jesus' teaching on the subject of hell. This is a biblical truth. And those who would mock and say, well, you know, you, all these fire and brimstone preachers and, and it's, it's a thing of the past and it's outdated. You're not in step with the times. We need to be very careful because when we mock the concept of hell, we are mocking Christ. Jesus had a great deal to say about it, and I want to just give you some verses. If you want to write these references down, you can come back and read them more fully later. But I want to just walk you through some, a few things that Jesus says to us about hell. First of all, Jesus says that hell is real. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, he says that they should not fear those that could kill the body, but those, he said, fear him that can cast both soul and body into hell. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, that passage where he says, if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends thee, cut it off. It's better to go through life with an impairment than it is to be cast into hell fire. 
In Matthew chapter 15, in verse 33, he says, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. <laughs> Tell us, Jesus, how do you really feel about this bunch? He says, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Matthew 25 and verse 46, some go into life eternal, but he says those who reject Jesus will go into eternal punishment. Luke chapter 10, he mentions it again. Here in this text, he mentions the reality of hell. Now, there are those, it's, it seems so, un, it's, it's beyond unlikely that Jesus would have so frequently referred to something in his teaching as a reality if it did not, in fact, exist. According to Jesus, hell is real. And because hell is real, we must take it seriously. It needs to be more than just a byword to us, just a curse word, a common phrase that we use, a concept that we say, we, well, Jesus said that, the Bible says that, but we really, it's something to be taking, taken seriously. Jesus will also say that hell is a place that is judicial. It is a place of judgment. Hell, he said in, in Matthew chapter 25, was prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell was not intended for humanity, but because of man's rebellion against God and their rejection of God, their, their sin against God, a place prepared for the judgment of Satan and the angels that followed him into rebellion. Matthew chapter 13, three times, he talks about and says that the wicked will be cast into the fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They are judged because of their sinful rebellion against God. That's a, it's a place of judgment. It is not a place of pleasantries. It's not a place that I'm going to go hang out and party with my friends. It is a place of judgment. Matthew chapter 22, and from verse 1 through verse 14, he talks about those that are cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew chapter 25, he talks the whole chapter almost about the sheep and the goats. And he talks about when they are divided, and he says that the goats will, go to, will be sent to hell. The sheep will enter into eternal life. The great distinction is on how they responded to Jesus Christ. Jesus says that hell is eternal. Hell is not something that is temporary. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, they will enter into everlasting fire. They will enter into eternal judgment, eternal punishment, Matthew 25, 46. The same word eternal is used of the punishment as it is of eternal life. So it's not something that's temporary. This is where, this, not just the reality of hell, but the eternality of hell becomes to, comes to weigh on our hearts and our minds. That this is a serious subject. Listen, when we share the gospel, when we preach the gospel, this is more than just a, a try to persuade someone to follow our religious teaching. This is something that becomes a life and death, an eternal life or an eternal death matter. Every one of us as a human soul will exist for eternity. Some will exist in eternal life. Some will exist in eternal death. Some will exist in eternal closeness and relationship and fellowship with God, and others will be eternally separated from God. C.S. Lewis said that there are two types of people in this world. There are those who will say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom God will say, Your will be done. Not that God will allow a person in hell to have their will. The rich man certainly didn't get his will in his way. But God says to the person who says, I don't want anything to do with God. I reject God. I rebel against God. Despite God's grace and despite God's love and despite God's salvation, and they reject Him, 
And God finally says, okay, I'll give you what you want. And what they want, what they get, becomes the worst possible thing that could be imagined. Hell is eternal. Hell is terrible, Jesus says. In Matthew 25, he describes it as fire. Here in Luke 16, the man said, I am tormented in this flame. He cried for just a drop of water to ease his pain. Matthew chapter 8, chapter 22, and chapter 25 describes it as a deep darkness. Darkness has a powerful impact on the human psyche and the human soul. And it's going to be eternal darkness and eternal punishment. Weeping and gnashing of teeth seven times in the Gospels. That's described as what will be taking place in hell. The pain and the torment. It is going to be a terrible place. You know, some, there are some who will say, well, these things that Jesus was using were figurative. They're just images that he was trying to use to convey how bad it is. When you compare, when you see the comparison and the contrast between heaven and hell, eternal life and eternal punishment, if heaven is real, Jesus is comparing a very real place with another very real place. So it's, Jesus is speaking of a literal, a literal place and a literal experience. But if he were not, if this is imagery, if this is figurative, we use imagery to convey something that we can't put into words. It's so beyond our imagination. It's so beyond what we can convey that we use images. So the images of hell, if these are images, they are terrible. It means that the reality is even more terrible. So terrible that we can't even put it into words. Just as heaven is unimaginably wonderful, hell is going to be unimaginably awful, incomprehensibly awful. But I want to give you one last thing that Jesus says about hell. Hell is eternal. Hell is judicial. Hell is terrible. Hell is eternal. But hell is avoidable. In this story, there are three voices that are calling out, don't go to hell. There is the voice, first of all, of the Scriptures. Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets, the Scriptures, the message of the Gospel, the message of the Bible for us, the message that Jesus died for our sins, is the message that God does not want you to go to hell. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is God's desire, and He has provided in the person of Jesus Christ the means by which you can avoid going to hell. God's love is so much and so powerful. There's the voice of sinners in this story. There's this man who is there, and he says, I don't want my brothers to come here. Please send Lazarus back. There's somehow this idea, I've heard people say this, I'm going to party with my friends in hell. There will be no party in hell. There will be no friends in hell. There will be only the desire to stop anyone else from coming there. Very often at funerals, we'll hear people say, well, you know, if this person were here today, this is what they, could say. they would say. If it's a Christian that's in heaven, we're pretty clear on what they would say. But I can tell you that if the person lying there is an unbeliever, there's something they would say to every person, please do not come to this place. But there's also the voice of the Savior. Jesus is speaking. He is the one giving this account. He is the one that is telling this account. And He is the one that does not want anyone to perish. He is the one that is saying these truths. 
to stop and to prevent so that you don't have to go. And it is Jesus who went to the cross to pay for our sins so that we don't have to go. How do you know what Jesus would say about this? Well, you see, the words of Jesus don't always have the word hell. Sometimes He speaks of condemnation. Sometimes He speaks of perishing. Listen to what Jesus said in John 5, 24. He that hears My word and believes on Him that sent Me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Boy, I I am so grateful for the day that I trusted Christ as my Savior and I passed from death unto life. And the great equalizer is grace. It's not by trying to do more good. It's not by, am I good enough to measure up to what God's standard is? Am I better than the person near me? We can't look around with hypocrisy and say, I deserve to be in heaven more than them because none of us deserve to be in heaven apart from the life that comes from Jesus Christ. And he says, he that believes in him that sent me and believes in me, he is passed from death unto life and will not come into condemnation. Paul echoes what Jesus said in Romans chapter 5 when he said, Now there is therefore no condemnation unto them that are in Christ Jesus. It is in Him that there is no condemnation. It is in Him that hell is avoided. And then, of course, the verse from Jesus that speaks so clearly to us, and we often overlook as we're quoting this verse because we all have known it for so long, we forget that it's Jesus speaking. John 3.16 And then the following verses that we often overlook. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not, what? Perish. That means hell is avoidable. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the Son of God. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is speaking those words. And Jesus is saying, I came so that you would not be condemned. I came so that you would not perish. I don't want you. I am giving this word. I am telling this account of Lazarus and the rich man. I am going to the cross and I am rising from the dead so that you can avoid hell. And you can pass from death unto life. Instead of eternal death, you can experience eternal life. I want you to know this morning that beyond missing hell, Jesus is offering something so far much greater. He is offering life. And eternal life is not just about the quantity. It's not just about how long it lasts, though it will last for eternity. It is the blessedness of what we get to experience and enjoy now. And Jesus is saying, here's what you can avoid. Here's what I don't want you to experience. And here's what I offer. And that is what He offers to every one of us. He is offering that to you today. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. And my purpose in this preaching on this topic and preaching on this text is not to try to use horror and try to drive you with some fear-motivated guilt. 
Yes, hell is a place to be feared, and guilt is something that we stand in before God. But I want you to run to Christ. I want you to be drawn to the grace and the glory and the love of Jesus Christ, who stands there with his arms stretched wide, saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come unto me, all ye that thirst, and I will give you of the water of life. Come unto me, ye that are hungry, I am the bread of life. Jesus is what satisfies our soul, and he is the one that makes it possible for us to miss out on the most horrible, most horrible place you can imagine. This is what Jesus says about hell. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, then I invite you to do that today. In a moment, we'll have an invitation, traditional way that you can come and stand with one of our pastors and let them take the Word of God and show you how to be saved. Or you can do so right where you are. If you are saved, if you've trusted Christ, you know what hell should do for us? Hell should not make us feel a sense of superiority because we're going to miss it. The truth of hell should become our greatest motivation to share the message of the gospel with others. To share the message of the gospel with those that we love and care about. To have the same burden for our lost loved ones that the man in hell had I have five brothers. Please do something extraordinary to get the message to them. It ought to be our greatest motivation for our engagement in missions. Why do we encourage missions? Why do we send missionaries around the world? Why do we pour thousands of dollars into mission projects? Because we believe that what every person on this planet needs to hear is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this truth ought to drive us to our knees to pray for those that are lost. Jesus said, hell is real. Jesus said, it's a place of judgment. Jesus said, hell is eternal. And hell is terrible. But through Jesus Christ, it can also be missed. Father, I pray this morning that this truth, heavy though it is, that the truth of what you said will sink into our hearts that, Lord, if there's anyone here this morning that does not know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are saved, that they are on their way to heaven, I pray that this will be the day that they will make certain. Father, I pray for those of us who are saved that this will not be just one of those truths we put on the back burner of our mind, but, Lord, it will be there to remind us and to motivate us to share the gospel to help others to share the gospel where we cannot. And Lord, to be on our knees, our face before you, calling out for the salvation of souls. Father, speak to us.